Every time you read the Bible, do you realize what a gift that is? Or when you meet with other believers, are you thankful? Or when you listen to Christian music? A gospel worker named Dr. Barhane lived in Eritrea, where all those activities are illegal. He says the government of Eritrea will sometimes make citizens sign a statement that says, I will never meet with other Christians. I will never read the Bible. I will never pray. I will never share the gospel. And I will never listen to gospel song. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. We're going to talk about a country today that probably many of you wouldn't be able to find on a map, even if I told you it was in Africa. When I say Eritrea, most of you maybe scratch your heads and say, is that even a country or, or where is that? So we have a, a guest who is from Eritrea. He is from that great country on the northeast part of Africa, uh, near Ethiopia. And uh, it's a country that many of us couldn't find on a map. It's also a country where almost a thousand of our brothers and sisters are currently in prison because of their Christian faith. None of them has been formally charged with a crime. None of them has had a trial or been given a lawyer. They simply are arrested and disappear into the prison system of Eritrea. Dr. Burhani is with us. He is an Eritrean Christian. He is a former prisoner for Christ in Eritrea. Uh, Dr. Burhani, welcome to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you for having me. Most of us don't know much about Eritrea. Why is the government so opposed to the church? Eritrea came into existence, the new government, in 1993. And before that, our president was the leader of the rebel group, and it was very strong Marxist. And in fact, our president was in China under Mao, so he was indoctrinated by these Mao ideas. So he was trying to do the same like what Mao did in Ethiopia in the 60s and the 70s. So that's what the main reason. So his background is is the communist ideology of there is no God. We want to control the people. We want to control religion. Yeah, it's uh, it's more of a, of a control. He wants everybody to worship him. So he knew that he was not going to get it from from Christians because we, we believe it's only God, it's only Jesus whom we worship. And he didn't like this idea. So that's why he became very strong against Christians. You yourself experienced that firsthand, be, being arrested for your faith and being sent to prison. Uh, tell us a little bit of, of your story. Uh, this was a long time ago. Before before that, we, we were under the Ethiopian communist regime. At the time also, everything was cracked down. You know, we cannot worship, we cannot speak against the government, even you cannot have an independent idea. And I was working in this small town in Eritrea. Uh, I was working in a hospital. Then one day the security police came and arrested me. 
and sent me to prison and stayed there for 11 months. Even in prison, though, God used you. God, God gave you opportunities to minister. Tell, tell us a little yeah. bit about that. What I thought was when I was arrested, uh, I thought that God is going to work through me. There was a God's purpose for every situation. So uh, at that time, I was a new believer, but still I believe that my future is on God's hand. So I wanted to use the opportunity to share God's love to the prison guards, to the fellow prisoners, to the inmates. And God opened this opportunity. So every day uh, I was clapping my hands and prisoners would come forward and I share from the gospel. And sometimes some of the prisoners would stay to ask more questions and ask for prayer. So I did it for 11 months until I was released. How did that affect your faith? Uh, the fact that you were in prison, you saw God working through you. How did that encourage you or, or grow your faith? Yeah, when you are in prison, what you see is hatred. You know, everybody screams at you. The prisoners fight each other, and the prison guards are not nice to you. But you can keep this inner peace. It's because of Jesus. And you wanted to share that peace to the guards and to the prisoners. And sometimes you see people be, being touched by that, and they want to hear more about it, and they start to appreciate, you know, your, your faith. So this encouraged me to do more and more. Some people even uh, were asking and were praying and were accept, inviting Jesus Christ uh, to their heart. And when you are in this prison, it's not like prison in the West. Most people were not sentenced. Most of the people were never charged. Just they keep it there. And one day they call five, six, sometimes 20 people and execute them. So nobody knows when he or she is going to be executed. And I remember one night, two guys came to my bedside and borrowed my Bible, and they read together and prayed. The next morning, one of the guys were executed. So when you see those people being prepared, you know, to to face eternity, you appreciate that you, me being there was the, that was the purpose of God. So a lot of people prayed with me just before they die. So that's really um, a good opportunity. Did you ever feel discouraged? Did you ever feel like God had, had forgotten you? There are times that you feel God has forgotten you, uh, especially when you see 20, 30 people taken from you, your clothes. You know, you become family in the prison. You eat together, you laugh together, and suddenly the prison guard comes with a list of names and just you wait, you might be one of them, but you are not, but your friends were part of that group. And you feel bad feeling, but you always, the scripture encouraged me. I remember one day they took 46 people in one day and I was a bit disturbed. Then I, when I look into my into the scripture, I was scripture from the book of Psalms, that though I walk through the valleys of death, you are with me. So I felt this is the valleys of death. I shared with the with the prisoners. I told them that's the place where we are. But it's not that all. 
God is with us. So a lot of people were converted. Uh, and you can see uh, the power of the scripture for that dark time, dark day. Did they allow you to keep your Bible or did you have to hide it or how, do, how was that? I, ha I had to hide it. I had to smuggle Bible. So sometimes, you know, there is always search. They search and get uh, take my Bible. But I have to smuggle again. In 11 months, I think I smuggled three times. So it was three times was taken my Bible. Tell us a little bit about some of the, the situations that are going on right now. I know we have uh, three prisoners on prisoneralert.com from Eritrea. Dr. Kiflu Gebremeskel, Kidani Weldu, and Haile Naizgi. Do you know what, are there any updates on their cases or their situations uh, that our, our listeners can be encouraged or, or know how to pray for them? I know three of them very well. And in fact, uh, Dr. Kuflu was my prayer partner. And before he was taken, he was a pastor. Before that, he was a, a professor in the university in math. Uh, pastor Kidane is also a, uh, a pastor. I, I knew him since he was a young person. And I know also Haile Nesk very well. Three of them are still in the central prison in Asmara. It's a very high security prison. In fact, that was the place where I was in, in prison a uh, long time ago. So I know the situation where they are. We have no news uh, apart from sometimes people see them when they go to hospitals. So recently someone told me he met Dr. Kuflu uh, in the hospital, but he was not allowed to talk or to hug him or just he can only look at him and smile. Uh, they, they are doing well and I think spiritually they are strong. Of course, they need our prayer and support, but they are doing fine. One of the things, you know, they're listed on prisoneralert.com, and we encourage people to write letters to them. Eritrea is so closed. It seems immune from international pressure. Do those letters make a difference? Does writing to them, does that help? Yeah, especially if we write to the authorities, would be would be very helpful. For example, if we write to the prisoners, they are not going to get it. But we can write to the to, to, to the people who are with them. We can write to the president, to the minister of defense, or to the minister of justice. You know, this puts pressure because they know that the world is watching. So they would be careful, you know, in handling these prisoners. Mm -hmm. We have done it before with Helen Brahane, and it worked well. And uh, I think it will work. One of the things that, that you said earlier today, you said that they separate out the Christians from the other prisoners. Uh, why is that? Uh, because wherever they are in the prison, they always share the gospel. And we hear a lot of people get converted, even from Muslim background. So the authors didn't like that. So there are a certain group of people, especially the ones who are free to share the, the, the gospel. You know, they, they built the, a new... Uh, prison for that purpose only to host Christians is in a remote place there's no transportation so they will not have any visitor and they will have, have the comfort you know of sharing the gospel to others so they built a completely separate prison for Christians yeah so that they wouldn't share the gospel yes yeah <laughs> that's very sad but at the same time it's encouraging to know that 
uh, even in prison, they are being a witness for Christ and they are continuing to share. Yeah, there's more freedom of worship inside the prison than outside because once you are there, you are, you are there. You don't. You are not uh, scared of prison, man. So people feel free to worship inside the prison than outside the prison. What about the the Christians that are outside the prison? What what kinds of changes have they made because of the frequent arrests, because of the security danger? They became too secretive. So mainly they witness one to one. So you know people always reject the gospel when they are in groups but when you uh, when you single them out they would be more uh, what you call they, they accept more the gospel uh, so when in sharing the gospel they do it one to one and when conduct bible study they they have the strict rules you know this confidentiality they meet in secret places they change you know from one place to another place so they become wiser and more stricter. So that's why we have less uh, prisoners this year than it used to be because uh, in the first few years, people were always open and they couldn't uh, tolerate or they couldn't cope with the new government's crackdown. But now, after uh, it's almost 12 years, they, they are they are become more wiser and they use all the wisdom to, to hide from the security forces. So are there churches that are that are functioning? Are they meeting in homes? Are they just, how, how does it work to be a Christian in Eritrea? We have only home church. So there are home leaders. And in fact, we have, we probably we have more Christians today than uh, 10 years ago, because there's a multiplication of this church. And a lot of people, even from the families of the authorities, the wives of the uh, of the people who are persecuting, are coming to faith. So we have these opportunities. So people are using that. So the churches are growing. So how many how many Christians could gather together in in one place at one time before it was too many? Before it was too dangerous? I think they could meet up to ten, twelve. Okay. But sometimes they become naughty. You know. <laughs> Last year, one guy, he gathered 180 people in his house, and the security came and arrested him <laughs> and all the group. A lot of them were non-believers, just came to listen to, to hear the gospel, and they were released straight away because when they were told to sign, they signed. You know, because you have to renounce your faith in order to be released. So these newcomers, it was not an issue, you know, signing but 90 of them are still in prison. So when the Christians are arrested, if a church meeting is raided, they are given a document to sign that says, I won't be a Christian anymore, or I won't meet together, or what What uh, are they asked he, to sign? He, sometimes they ask one question, or three questions, or four questions, or five. In, for example, one question says, I will never meet with other Christians. I will never read the Bible. I will never pray. I will never share the gospel. And I will never listen to gospel song. So this is one of the... Another one, it says, I will never meet or I will never... Uh, that's the only one. That is the easiest uh, part. So so even listening to a Christian song could get you arrested in Eritrea? Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. Uh, uh, people do now. You know, 
some people say is if you go to the tea shops or coffee shops, just people, you know, uh, do it. And I think the government is now tired of arresting people mm. for that. <laughs> <laughs> How does the government treat the Muslims? Because there are Muslims in Eritrea, too. The government obviously doesn't like any religion, really, because they want to control the people. So is there persecution of Muslims also? It's not as bad to Christians. Uh, for example, in the early uh, 1990s, there was this Islamic movement uh, from Sudan. So the government started to crack down on all these Islam, Islamist cell groups because they were plotting to overthrow the government. In fact, people say in 1996, Bin Laden was on in Eritrea. He came from Sudan. So, oh. so there, there was some Islamist movement in the mid-90s. Still, the government is fine with moderate Muslims. And although there is also, uh, uh, he tries to control them, but at least they are allowed to build mosques and they are allowed to worship freely. So they are not being targeted for being Muslims or for for praying, mm -hmm. but they are being targeted if they are uh, one of the extremists try to overthrow the mm. the president because the president. So, how do you personally deal with the challenge of? Uh, I, I know your phone rings and and you talk to Christians in Eritrea. You hear about the arrests. You hear about the beatings. You hear about the torture. How do you deal with that? How do you respond to that? Yeah, it's really sad. Uh, sometimes I really struggle to cope with uh, all this news, especially when I heard someone you know, murdered because of his face or someone was badly tortured. And sometimes they take all the families with children, including the infants, and they leave them in prison for, in a very poor situation. I used to have sometimes nightmare. The only thing I it comforted me was also the positive results that comes out of that. When they share the gospel and when people get converted and they still feel that there is the power of God with them. But it's very difficult to dealing with this, with this issue. Well, especially I'm in a very comfortable place now in London. So are there particular scriptures that you draw strength from or particular songs or just how do you how do you recharge your battery to to do another day dealing with pain and suffering yeah whenever i read the scripture it's full of persecution in the scripture you know in fact paul says anyone who wants to live according to the will of god will be persecuted and i know these people have choices if they want they can avoid persecution and it's their choice and it's a good choice so that's also something that comforts me. Persecution doesn't come to us by surprise. It's a situation that we have to pre be prepared. When I became a Christian, I had this mentality you not know, to suffer. I always was ready. I always live a very uh, mild life because I don't want to just to say that I, uh, I will be established in here. I never was been established anywhere because I knew one day I'm going to be taken, I'm going to be arrested. So, you know, if you prepare ahead of time, uh, when it comes to you, you just start to praise God because it is God who 
who is in control. And how do you prepare? Uh, because I think most Americans, we don't even think about the possibility that we could suffer for our faith. I think so. we have to we have to read the scripture as it is. Sometimes we select some uh, uh, some scriptures that deals with blessings, and we just want to meditate on them. But we have to balance it. Of course, God is the God who blesses us. But sometimes also he lets us go through suffering in order to share in his suffering. We, how do we understand the cross unless we suffer? We don't bring suffering. Suffering is not a, a pleasant thing. Nobody wants to, we always, you know, it's our natural instinct to flee from suffering. But sometimes there is a place where we cannot flee. So we have to embrace it. And at that time, God gives us grace to understand what real suffering means. And out of that suffering, we can share life, the life of Jesus. We can share the love of Jesus. People know that we love them when they see us, you know, being strong during the time of suffering. In the prison, when they were executing people, when they look at me, I was filled with the peace of Christ. They wanted to know more about him. We want this Jesus because uh, they knew that it was real. So suffering sometimes brings Jesus closer to our heart. And I think that's a lesson you don't understand until you suffer. Uh, yeah. it's, I can hear you say it, but until I experience it, it doesn't really take a hold. Yeah, I, I never uh, thought it would be a blessing to me. When I was a Christian, I was always avoided, uh, you know, suffering. But I found myself in that situation, and God gives grace for that particular time. So you don't understand when people pass through the martyrdom what they feel on that particular time, but the Holy Spirit gives them grace, and we don't understand what sort of joy they would have inside. Your work now is is to be a voice for Eritrean Christians. Can you talk a little bit about your work and your organization and what you do? Yeah, about 10 years ago, I co-founded an organization. We called it Release Eritrea. And this was in response to the persecution that was happening in Eritrea. We thought we could do at least three things. One is we could let the world know what's happening in Eritrea. Secondly, we could support the Christians, you know, financially and with some material help. Thirdly, we could m mobilize prayer. Based on that, we started this organization, and so far we are helping all these prisoners' families. And also we do some work with refugees, because some Christians are now left Eritrea and they're living in Ethiopia in exile. Uh, it's estimated up to 100,000 Eritreans are now currently in, in Ethiopia and hundreds of thousands in Sudan, in Egypt, in Israel. So all these people need our support. So we have uh, different centers now. We have a safe home, a safe house in Egypt, three safe houses. When people get kidnapped by the Bedouin, in the Sinai, sometimes when they flee from their kidnappers, so they we get them and house them in our safe house. 
And after they are released from prison also in Egypt, we send them to our safe house. In Israel, we do mainly pastoral care because when people pass across the Sinai, especially most of the women have, you know, experienced all this uh, appalling, you know, uh, situation like rape and torture. So we have this women's center that we, we, we conduct, you know, that's pastoral care, counseling, uh, and we do a lot of physical assistance also. As we close, I want to, we always want people to pray. Uh, and so a, as our listeners are praying for the country of Eritrea, uh, how can they pray? How should they pray? First, we, we need to, to pray for a change in the government because that's the main source for all these uh, atrocities, you know, for all this imprisonment and being exiled. Uh, so pray for the government for change. We good government is from God, so we want a good democratic government that allows us for freedom of worship. But pray also for the prisoners. Now it has been long, over ten years, and they I I can understand they will miss their wives, their children. Um, so we can imagine how uh, what sort of things have we. You know how we done the past ten years, but these people haven't done anything, just in prison. So we need to pray for them for their release, and also for strength, for for health, and also we need to pray for for, for the families. They are suffering from loneliness, and most of these people are left without any support because the husbands are the main winners in Eritrea uh, and we can also understand it's tough for the children and for the wives so also pray for the families Dr. Burhani thank you for your testimony thank you for being a voice for our brothers and sisters in Eritrea and thank you for being with us today okay thank you very much That's Dr. Berhane telling us how we can pray for our brothers and sisters in Eritrea. Would you do that? Would you pray for them? I had the privilege of visiting Eritrea several years ago and meeting with some of the believers there. And a part of that country is still in my heart today. So please, this week, pray for our brothers and sisters in that nation of Eritrea. Voice of the Martyrs wants to help you connect with believers who need your prayer and your encouragement. One way that we do that is through the website prisoneralert.com. When you go to prisoneralert.com, you can read specific stories of those who have been arrested for their faith. You can see their picture and their name so that you can really understand who you're praying for. Right now, there are three prisoners from Eritrea listed on prisoneralert.com, and there's many others from around the world would you take some time, maybe some time with your family or with your Sunday school class and get to know some of these prisoners, read their stories, and then pray for them? At prisoneralert.com, you can also take a step to be a part of the answer to your own prayers. You can encourage a prisoner by writing a letter to them, and you can petition government officials for their release. This is a way that you can put faces and names with our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted, and you can live out God's call to remember those in prison, Hebrews 13.3. Again, you can do all of this at prisoneralert.com. 
one of the Voice of the Martyrs websites to help you connect with Christians in prison around the world. Next week, we're going to hear from some young people who have devoted their summer to serving martyrs around the world. They will tell you about their experiences as interns here at Voice of the Martyrs. I hope you'll listen and be encouraged to get involved in whatever way God is calling you. So come back and join us next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network.